Now back to On the Block with Strick and Austin on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. All right, we're trying this again. Take two. I'm Austin. He's Strick. You got me, Strick? Still no. Okay, I'm in the building. I'm in the building. I think it was muted. Look at that. We are here on the block presented by Mary Ellen's. We are both officially in the house. How's overseas treating you? Um, it's rainy. It's, it's, it's what it looks like in the wintertime over here. You know, misty rain, cloudy, you know, it's not cold. So that's pretty cool. You know, it's you know sweatshirt. Uh, but it's, um, where my, where my nephew's at, it's a, uh, quite a drive, uh, (laughs) just, just, uh, about an hour or so outside of the city in, uh, in Croydon, in the Croydon area of, uh, of, uh, you know, British Columbia. I mean, not British Columbia, but um, <laughs> actual Britain of Britain. Yep, <laughs> actual Britain. <laughs> so yeah, it's pretty cool, man. It was it, it was it wasn't a bad flight. The flight wasn't crazy. Um, you go you go to sleep and you wake up and you're dang near about to land. Other than them delivering you breakfast, it's not as bad as being in the in the, in the doggone hospital. I remember when I had Ugh. to be in the hospital for a blood clot I had in my lung, and it's like you your your mentality says I'm going to go into this hospital. Okay, I'm gonna take this and I'm gonna I'm gonna take the lumps of it. I don't wanna be there, but I'm gonna go in there and you think you're gonna get some rest. Far from it. When you're in a freaking hospital, it's like they're poking and prodding you like every two, three hours. It's it's <laughs> it's a travesty. So it wasn't that bad. Good deal. Well, what you could have done is you could have watched a replay of the Georgia TCU game from last night to put you to sleep on that flight. That turned into a snoozer real, real quick. Disappointing. I I thought TCU was a little disrespected by that 13, 13 and a half point Vegas spread. Turns out the Sharps knew what they were talking about. Georgia flexed every muscle it had 65 to 7, the most dominant championship game performance probably of all time. What a performance. I agree. Yeah, there's no question about it. I mean, look, this team just basically came out from the gun from the minute that they stepped on the freaking field. And listen, there's one man in particular. Everybody, you know, has always been talking about uh, all all of the great, you know, defensive linemen and the linebackers and Jalen Carter and all of this stuff, right? And it wasn't even it wasn't even him. It was Javen Bullard. Who? He had two interceptions. Javen Bullard had two interceptions and a fumble recovery. So you go, you know, <laughs> make it make sense to me why he, I mean, I understand, you know, listen, Stetson Bennett had a tremendous game. Let's let's just take everything out of your mouth with regards to Stetson Bennett at this point. He's probably one of one of the, uh, the 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 oldest veteran quarterbacks to probably win this doggone thing, but he was very efficient, 18 for 25 for 300 yards, a QBR of 99.5, four TDs, no interceptions. He did everything right. He made all the right reads. There was nothing that they can do to, 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 to stop him in any form or fashion. And uh, Max, Max had a struggling night, and they just weren't able to get anything going, whether it be from the run game or from the pass game. Uh, although Darius Davis had a pretty good night on five, uh, five receptions for 101 yards. But listen, total domination, 251 yards and rushing, 
uh, 54 yards in rushing, 335 yards in passing and receiving. And it's it just told them there's really not much we can talk about for this game. It was over when it started. It, it really was. And you look at just the number of players that got in the game for Georgia. They spread out the yards pretty evenly. Obviously, Bowers had a big game. Uh, McConkie was uh, about 90 yards. The leading rusher for Georgia, only 50 yards. You know, Kenny McIntosh, yeah. only 50 yards rushing, didn't score a touchdown. The guy that was in in the fourth quarter, Branson Robinson, almost caught him in rushing yards, had a couple touchdowns. Bennett was efficient running the ball. And that's why I said going in that when Georgia plays at their best, at their peak, there's not a team in college football this year that could compete with them. They didn't play their best against Ohio State. They did late. Ohio State is probably as talented as Georgia when they're fully healthy. But I think Georgia needed that little bit of a wake-up call from Ohio State to say, hey, we got to play our best next Monday night. And they sure did. Credit Kirby Smart for that. Strike, if there's a you know, a new program out there. If you, you put me in charge and I get a draft, a coach to start a program with, I don't know if there's one I'm taking ahead of Kirby Smart right now. Look, I mean, you're absolutely right. What better time for it to happen for him than in the semifinals? You don't want something like that to happen in the final game, obviously. But in the semis, it's something that you can redeem. Then you have short, you have a short turnaround, a week of, of preparation. Whereas, let's be honest about it, uh, Ryan Day and the crew had, you know, a few weeks, you know, time to prepare. There's a lot of wrinkles. There's a lot of things. There's a lot of film breakdowns you can look into, uh, looking at holes, looking at areas of coverage, you know, uh, when they're in man coverage, what are some of the things that they're doing in these, in these, um, uh, you know, what can we, what can we exploit in these formations? What can we, uh, what, what route tree route patterns could we run in order to, to stress certain guys that we want to put stress on. And, and they were able to do that. You saw that with a lot of deep outs. They had a lot of deep outs. They were, you know, Marvison Harrison was able to get out. It looked like he, you know, they probably ran somebody up a seam on a vertical route and they were able to run him out or run him across and get him on there. They, they gave him enough time. So, you know, kudos to the offensive line of, of Ohio State. You have to, the stuff that they were doing in their right route trees, you had to give him time. I just didn't see that from, you know, uh, throughout the night for uh, Max Duggan. It was a lot of pressure. Obviously, it cost him a couple turnovers and, uh, and they had a fumble and, so it's 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 just been tough. It was a it's a tough run, and I hate for him to go out that way. I mean, you got to feel bad for them because it was a Cinderella run, and you 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 know you you showed up and you showed out against Michigan. You put yourself in a great position, and then you just literally laid an egg in the championship game. And so it's it, I'm sure it's it's pretty saddening. It's disappointing to see out of TCU, but given where they were to start the season, it took them a month to break into the rankings. And again, I as as bad as this performance was by TCU. You. They got sunned. They were outgunned from the beginning. Georgia was clearly better. Yeah. TCU still a darn good team. They were very deserving to be in that game. So I don't want to hold everything yeah. in this game against TCU. To me, it's a big credit to Georgia and what they've built. And that's where I want to go next, Strick. What Georgia's built is they became the first school in the playoff era to repeat. First repeat champion since Alabama back near the end of the BCS in 2011 and then 2012. Yeah. There was something made about Georgia's schedule near the end of that broadcast last night. Just, I don't want to call it a cakewalk. I mean, they are in the SEC. Uh, Florida's on there. Uh, Missouri gave them a scare, and I'm sure there are you know, a couple other games in there that they might get tested. It, it took us this long to get a repeat champion. There's no way we get a three-peat next year, right? But Georgia might be that good. 
Um, yeah, I, I would like to see where their backup quarterback, um, who is going to end up winning that race. Um, like, like for example, let's let's just let's just be real about it, right? And and here's just an example, just an example. And it's not saying that this is going to happen, but it is an example. Look at what happened with Clemson, right? When Trevor Lawrence left, you thought that DJ Uyunglele was going to be able to be that guy to fill that void, and he just was not the guy, right? Nope. Um, so that is the piece in college football that is unsung. It, it's it's known, but it's unsung. Like, you don't really know the full depth of it until you really know you don't have a good one, mm-hmm. and and then you realize that you can't win without it. You know what I'm saying? You need a good quarterback in the college football game, period. I don't, I don't, if you don't have him, you're, you're going to struggle. It's just simple as that. Right. So that's what I'm worried about. And that's what I would like to see is who is that next man up? Who is it? Is it going to be internal? Do they go into the transfer portal and try to land somebody that's maybe lingering around out there? Maybe somebody wants to jump ship. They feel a little better knowing that Stetson Bennett now is passing on. They feel that that matchup against, uh, whoever is going to be in the QB room there in Georgia, somebody that they would they they wouldn't mind having competition a bit. So you're going to have all these different things that are about to happen in the off season now. So uh, I would like to wait and defer for that uh, to happen before I can make a judgment, Austin, on whether or not you know Georgia is going to be that kind of dynasty type of team because it's really going to be on the quarterback. And no one would have thought Stetson Bennett coming off of his story walk on then to Heisman trophy finalist last year won it, but you didn't, you know, they won it, but that defense was just that dominant. All you had to do was dang near manage the game. Right. Yeah. Uh, so, so you, you know, you, you, you were happy for him. There were some plays that he, he, he didn't make, but then there was some he did. So you didn't know if he got into some trouble, whether that wouldn't work for him or he would fall off the, off the, off the uh, wagon. But he it's like that 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 game last year springboarded him into what it was this year mm-hmm. and you're right i don't think the schedule was as strong as what most would have would have liked you know those florida the florida games and you know some of those other than the missouri game they're really there they, it really wasn't a lot in there tennessee obviously was but mm-hmm. there really wasn't a lot of, of of competition against them so as you look forward to next year a little bit more, ESPN and a couple other places did put out their way too early top 25s. And I want to focus in on the quarterbacks here, Strick. Georgia, like we said, don't know who the quarterback's going to be. The team they have at number two, Ohio State, C.J. Stroud's gone. He's in the NFL draft, going to be a top 10 pick. That's a second-ranked team with a quarterback question. Team number three is Michigan. I think they're settled on J.J. McCarthy. I'd be shocked if it's anyone besides him. But what do they have at head coach? Does Harbaugh stick around? I'm going to skip Team 4 for a second. Team 5, Alabama, another quarterback question. Who's it going to be? Teams 4 and 6 fascinate me, though, Strick. At number 4, it's Florida State that ESPN has at number 4. Jordan Travis had a really good year. Florida State burst onto the scene with double-digit wins this year. Pretty impressed by them. I I, I don't know. I mean, clearly, they weren't you know a playoff-caliber team. With an offseason of improvement, maybe they are. And at number six, Penn State, I think they're being slept on a little bit. I think Drew Aller is going to be a stud for them. They have two great running backs. We know uh, the types of defenses that they can put out there. If they can find a way to beat one of Ohio State or Michigan and have that one, the one that they beat, lose somewhere else, 
that's the path for Penn State. I'm higher on Penn State right now than I am yeah. on Michigan. I, I would agree. I mean, um, they've got they've got a lot of veteran leadership coming back. They've got a lot of players that they really like. Obviously, they like Aller. Um, they like the combinations and the growth and the maturity of a lot of guys uh, throughout their roster. I mean, I'm not just talking about any one particular. It was, you know, it's multiple, it's multiple people up and down their roster that they're really feeling good about getting the kind of quality uh, time that they got and then to culminate it with uh, a big win in the bowl game. So, uh, yeah, I, I, you know, watch out for Penn State. I mean, other than the fact that I don't know for sure or how much I'm sold on, um, you know, their staff, the coaching okay. staff. Um, that, you know, I, that that would be the only thing for me is looking at this team and say, you know, up and down the board, it just seems as if you know they don't play normally to their their uh, uh, what I not, they don't always like put it they all kind of play down to me. Yeah, yeah, they don't always play up. I mean, you know, to their comp, their competition. And so it's like at any given time to me, it's like they can be clipped. I, I mean, I, you know, I could be wrong, but that's what it seems like to me, man. I'm, 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 I'm but I, I am, I'm, I'm saying they're, they're a team to watch for me. I, I really like this team and, and their, their potential. But again, they've got to run a gauntlet. They, and I, I haven't had a chance to look at their schedule, but they've got to run a gauntlet. And can they do it? It's just sometimes in the big games for me, they just haven't been able to get it done. So if you look at Penn State's schedule, they do have West Virginia uh, renewing an old rivalry game. Uh, They go to Illinois. Uh, They'll host Iowa uh, at Ohio State, but then Michigan at home. And then to close out the regular season, they're at Michigan State. So pretty typical Big Ten East style schedule. I, I wouldn't say it's anything out of the ordinary for them. So I, I think yeah. they're a team to, yeah. to look yeah. at. And yeah, they, I mean, obviously they've got redemption on their mind uh, with Michigan uh, coming back down there to happy Valley. So they're going to, they're going to be definitely excited about that. Um, you know, one, one to watch for them. I they, Do they end up having Minnesota next year or did they skip them this year? They do not. Who do they Minnesota. got out of the West? Who do they get out of the West? They Who go, do they get out of the West? Yeah. Iowa. Yeah, they go to Illinois week three. Right after that, they host Iowa. And then uh, their third game in a row against the West team is at Northwestern. So Illinois, uh, see, Iowa, Northwestern. They don't have a crazy – No. Yeah, they don't have a crazy West schedule to worry about. So it's just pretty much they're, you know, get by those those uh, that East gauntlet and you will put yourself in a great position. I, to be honest, I look at it and I'm like, dang, they finished 11-2? and two? It was a sneaky – it was a sneaky eleven and two. Like I'm, you know, I'm thinking maybe you know they've got three losses, but it was a sneaky, quiet, just going about their own business eleven and two record this year. So we'll we'll see how they come back and and and, and what they're able to add and the additions they're going to be able to put to to make them even better to bolster what they've been able to do. Last question: uh, As we talk about the national championship last night, Georgia sixty five, TCU seven. Georgia's on top of the sport. They've been in the conversation. They are at Alabama's level, if not even you know, a step ahead of them right now. If someone is going to catch up to Georgia, is it going to be by doing what Georgia did to Alabama and replicating that model in reaching Georgia's level? Or will it be because Georgia fell back from the pack a little bit? Which of those do you think is more likely? 
Wow. Um, so here's the dynamic that works right now that I'm seeing in college football, right? You have your dominance. You have your, your, you have your Alabamas. You have your Georgia. Um, by conference, you have your dominance. You usually will have like your Clemson will pop out. Um, usually in, in the, the big, the big 12 to me is like an anomaly. It, uh-huh. it don't know what it wants to do. <laughs> one year is Baylor. One year it'll be Oklahoma state. One year it'll be, <laughs> yeah. you know, Texas tech. I mean, it's like, right, they're all right. over That's the place. Right? As far as the big 12, you just don't know. It's like what? And then it's Kansas, Kansas will <laughs> pop out and start clipping people. And Kansas state comes out of nowhere. You're like, wait a minute, what's going on here? Um, then out, out West, there's going to be a changing of the guard, obviously, because UCLA and USC is going to be bouncing in another year. So uh, you're going to watch probably what's going to go on there. Then you'll probably see, you know, be on the lookout for what's going on in Colorado. Uh, then you go down to uh, the SEC and you have the top tier and then you have like a tier, tier, tier two. And the tier twos is going to be like your Florida's. They're going to be your uh, old misses, your... Um, um, who else? Uh, every now and then, South Carolina. It's like your tier two in the SEC is like those every now and then teams that kind of pop up and have mm-hmm. just that that one-off success. It's not a sustained success. So that's the thing that you're seeing in the college football game is that um, then you'll have a Tulane type of situation, right? right? right. You'll have some of those, a Cincinnati, a T- somebody will go crazy and you'll be like, wait, where did this come from? And then what ends up happening, the coach bounces. Mm-hmm. He goes to a high-tier program, hoping to duplicate what he's been able to do. So it's just this continuous cycle, and you feel bad for the two lanes. You feel they just mm-hmm. don't have the, the means and the, and the monetary uh, uh, piggy bank in order to keep these cats. Mm-hmm. And so that's what ends up happening, man. It's just a continuous cycle of I take my team, raise them to a super level, i.e. Scott Frost, US, UCF, and then all of a sudden, boom, you're off to the next uh, the next team. And so, you know, those programs lose out. So it's tough for a second-tier program to break through because of that dynamic. If they have any type of success, i.e. your Lane Kiffins, mm-hmm. who had the options to bounce somewhere and go mm-hmm. and do a, a, a little upward mobility, but then it just it, – it, so it's a continuous cycle. I think you're going to see your Ohio State's and going to remain at the top and, you know, a lot of these teams like that. As long as they can keep quarterbacks, if they can keep bringing in the types of quarterbacks that are going to perform, they'll stay at the top. So we'll see. Kyle McCord. Georgia's built on defense. They they're are. built on D. They're, they're, they're built on D. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. Kirby Smart's calling card. He learned it from Nick Saban. I, I have a hard time thinking Kirby Smart's going to change that formula up, especially given how well it's worked, how many guys he's put in the NFL. So that'll basically wrap up our national championship discussion. Plenty more uh, coming your way. But first, before we get to talking any more sports, someone call in. Shoot out with Strick. I want to play the game. Okay, Strick won by default yesterday. You got a forfeit. We did manage to give the gift card away, though. Strick, I want to ask you questions. I want to play the game. 402-464-5685, the Honda of Lincoln Hotline. Call in now. We got Shootout with Strick coming up after the break. 